My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. It's been a long time coming, but this week, jury selection for the Ghislaine Maxwell trial began in Manhattan. She is charged, of course, with sex crimes, conspiracy and perjury related to the actions of the financier Jeffrey Epstein, who killed himself in a Manhattan jail cell in 2019 while awaiting sex trafficking charges. Attorneys have said that Ghislaine Maxwell played a critical role in helping Epstein to identify, befriend and groom minor victims. And in some cases, Maxwell participated in the abuse. Our US correspondent, Sunday Business Post legend and Today FM regular Marion McKeown is here to catch us up on what exactly took place. If you'd like to go back and listen to the other episodes we have made about the Maxwell Epstein case, they are all available for the price of a pint over at patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. Marion, it's great to talk to you as always. If anyone was under the impression that this would be a run-of-the-mill trial, they were disabused of that uh, notion this week when even, it seems, the jury selection questions veered into the ridiculous. Well, yeah, and you know, I mean, this case, look, it's one of those cases that people are are so, I can't remember a case in in my time here of covering God knows how many cases where there there was such a high level of interest and fascination. And there is a prurience in a lot of this interest and fascination because people feel that they're going to glimpse into how these super rich, super weird people, super creepy, really, on, on many levels, people live their lives. And, and I don't know that they're they're going to get that or that it's going to be satisfied. But there was, yeah, I mean, the, the process started off where you had 600 uh, prospective jurors. Now, there's a judge involved who was a judge who was quite, she's a super smart woman. She was a former associate counsel for Barack Obama. Obama, he, um, nominated her to the New York District Court as a federal judge. There was outcry from Republicans because she was an openly gay woman who has a female partner and they have um, adopted children. And this was seen as her in some way being unfit to be a judge, whatever. So she came to the New York Circuit Court. She had, you know, to go through her own her a, a tough time just to get there. She's now about to be apparently Joe Biden is thinking about appointing her to the second the Second Circuit appeals bench, which would mean that she would have hearings coming up for that. She's saying that it doesn't matter. She's going to hear out this trial. She's going to finish this trial out uh, regardless of what her legal future is. But other people are saying, oh, now she shouldn't be doing hearing this trial because there might be a conflict of interest without in any way specifying what that conflict could be. She's a more than capable judge. She's very no nonsense. I've, I've you know, 
been familiar with her presiding over cases before, but there are a lot of questions that are put to. So what happens is there's a voir dire process. The initial 600 is whittled down to 241. She then personally interviews each of those 241. So she has a first run at to see if they're biases and their inherent what they think about rich people have they heard of mar-a-lago do they know who owns it what do they think you know of to try and elicit any standing biases or prejudice they might have that would cloud their judgment on this case now in my view unless you've been living under a rock for the last 100 years or 50 years you're going to have at least heard of mar-a-lago you're going to know it's donald trump's place and you're certainly going to have heard of jeffrey epstein as well because that his death in prison last year which was ruled to be a suicide made huge headlines everywhere as can i jump in there mary because that let me i think a lot of us are aware when they go there questioning these people to see if they have any bias but do they agree on what questions will be asked because it sounded a little loosey-goosey when i went down through the conversations that were had with each individual i think that, i mean there is there there are broad parameters within which so it's like asking if they knew of any of the the Maxwell accusers who would be testifying, for example, like, and that's an easy one, like, do you, have you ever met or do you know any of these witnesses who are going to claim X, Y, and Z happened? So they would say yes or no to that. Do they have opinions about people with luxurious lifestyles that would prevent them from being impartial? Well, you know, it's one thing to have an opinion about people with luxurious lifestyles. You might be a juror member or potential member who has one yourself, but it's an entirely separate thing as to whether or not that would prevent you from being impartial. You might just think, fine, they worked hard for their money. You know, I'm not going to judge them. And it's it's too, it's those questions. But as you say, I think a lot of it comes from experience, I think, and some of it comes from instinct and some of it comes from, as I said, you have these broad brush parameters. And within that, all kinds of questions can come out. Uh, they were asked about the school, the art school in Michigan, um, if they, they were familiar with that school. And that was because one of the victims who was at the time, she's going to testify, she was 13. Epstein was a patron of that school. He um, helped to pay for a library or whatever. And it gave him access to all these very talented young girls who were students in a way that is horrific. Anyway, one of them he did recruit when she was 13 and she claims he brought her to Mar-a-Lago where he introduced her to Donald Trump and said, oh, I think she's a good one or worse to that effect. And Trump grinned and laughed. To me, the big thing about this whole thing, and it it goes to Epstein is dead, yes, but if Maxwell is accused of procuring young girls for him for a decade between 1994 and 2004 of, you know, she, that she was basically the, the predator who went out, who found these girls, who decided who would be the type of girl that he would like, generally sourced them from underprivileged backgrounds, girls who wouldn't have the wherewithal or the family structure or whatever, you know, to to be able to, to resist what, what was happening or to know how to complain about it after it happened. And they're saying that she also then had this kind of horrible Ponzi scheme set up where she would pay 
these girls who had been abused to also then recruit their friends in to be abused. So you had this constant supply of new young girls for Jeffrey Epstein to to sexually abuse. So the, the, the whole thing just sounds like, and the allegations suggest that she was absolutely in the center of all this, that she was going out there and doing the procuring for him. And that, you know, so... I, you know, her argument is, and what her lawyers are saying is, this is really unfair because you're going after her just because Epstein killed himself. So she's being made the fall guy for this, which is patently not true. She was patently involved. The, the witnesses have said this. The investigation has shown very clearly the degree of her complicity. Now, I'm not prejudging her in advance. She is innocent until proven guilty, but there's a lot of evidence. And of course, then people are, are also, you know, you have the Prince Andrew factor of all these things as well. But to get back to the jury questions, this is a judge who knows what she's doing. She's a fair judge. She's a smart judge. And I think that, as I say, it's, you know, yeah, some of the questions may seem bizarre to us, but if you're a potential juror, you know, like, are you going to lie about it? Because that's the other thing, because some jurors may say, you have to remember, being on this jury is is like winning a lottery ticket in terms of what you can, how you can parlay it or monetize it afterwards. You had the people on, you know, the OJ Simpson jurors, etc. They were hounded by media for interviews afterwards. They wrote books, whatever, you know, they allowed their likenesses and images to be used in films afterwards. So being a juror on a, a, a case as high profile as this is something that any juror wants. And jurors would probably, some of them at least, may decide to, if not lie, but to conceal their biases or to manipulate how they appear to a judge and to the lawyers because they want to be on, on that jury. And conversely, other jury members might think, I don't want to be stuck in this for six weeks and may actually make it appear like they have biases just to get not, yeah, you know, just... Liz Lemon, 30 Rock, arriving in a Princess Leia outfit. <laughs> I mean, she... Yeah, would, and, she... And, yeah, exactly. And the Larry David one, which was so shocking, but so but he, we won't even go there. But he tried to get out of jury duty, and it, and it didn't work out for him. But, I mean, but it, it is easy to, you know, wind up having a giggle about it all. But of course, it is a very serious situation, a serious trial where an awful lot of people yeah. were hurt, and to watch the kind of reptilian moves to wriggle out of you know her culpability for what took place it is tricky and it is going to be tricky to watch among the things that i've seen this week referenced in the headlines are evidence that the lawyers want ruled inadmissible and this 16 months in solitary confinement there's already moves by certain papers to say that you'd have to feel sorry for Ghislaine Maxwell. And when I heard about 16 months in solitary confinement, and I did hear, we've all, and we've discussed on this show, the conditions in which she's being held. Yeah. I wonder, like, they're obviously going to try and get this thing thrown out on a technicality, because, I mean, that seems to be the only leg on which she has left to stand on. Could that come up or is that going to come up or what do you foresee along those lines of these kind of wriggly moves? I don't see any way and this this is drawing even just on my own legal background that she will be able to get off on a technicality. 
What I think may still happen and could happen until the morning of the 29th of November is that she could take a plea deal. Now, at the moment, she's looking at, you know, they're saying there's no way they can get a jury that will be impartial. And, you know, the conditions now, that's a separate conversation. Conditions in American prisons and in American remand, cent- American remand centers are appalling. They are inhumane. There was, um, you may remember Conrad Gallagher, the, the Irish chef who was, in a very bizarre situation, he was um, extradited for something that I think turned out to be a, a dispute over paintings over the ownership. He was extradited to Ireland and they, that, that full process where he was held on remand in the same prison uh, for weeks. And it was so bizarre. And I remember at the time, the federal um, people involved were really annoyed at the Irish government for asking for that. Uh, They felt that it was an abuse of the process for such a small crime or what they regarded as as such a small allegation of, of a small crime. But I remember at the time hearing about the conditions then, and they are appalling and they are inhumane. And you have to presume that if somebody is being held on on remand in in a US remand center like this one in Brooklyn, they are innocent until proven guilty. And I'm not talking about Maxwell specifically, but to be held in solitary confinement for 16 months, objectively, when you have not been, you know, proven guilty or, or of of any crime, does seem to be inhumane. Now there are rights. You like clearly. You're entitled to a speedy trial, which is meant to be within 70 days. You know, I I don't know if she waived that right. Maybe she did. It seems that this is an exceptionally long time regardless, but it's not a matter for appeal. Like they're saying, oh, she couldn't prepare her defense because the the prison guards were mean to her. Now, that may have been true, but but that's not a ground to, to have this dismissed. I think that what may still happen, and to me, it's kind of astonishing it isn't. I spoke to a great friend of mine. He's a New York defense lawyer for decades, Ed Hayes. And he said, rich society women don't do well in remand centers. She'll take a plea bargain. And this is exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to make her life so unbearable in this remand center and so contrary to anything she has ever experienced that she's going to go, look, you know what? I'll plead guilty to X, Y, and Z. Just let's let's just get it done and send me to a nice prison in Bedford Hills or whatever. So there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.